Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Crescent Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and I'm so excited to be back with you all. It has been a minute since I've published an episode. You know, a lot has happened this year, really starting with February, a loved one passed very suddenly and unexpectedly, and that really derailed a lot of what I was doing and so many of my other family members. And so along with that, And just recovering from that has also been the process of launching and opening my business, which is also the Crescent. It was always my dream to eventually make the Crescent a health and wellness brand. And so I'm so excited to be able to share that with you all. The link to that Instagram and that website will be in the show notes below. But It's even more pertinent because today's interview is with Dr. Von Cook, who is actually the founder and creator of the bioenergetic testing technology that I use within the Crescent. So we dive into the bio surveys and what those are, what biocommunication is, and how those can really help guide health and wellness decisions. And then we also dive into the Evox perception reframing technology, which is what I use and also something that Dr. Cook created to really address subconscious beliefs and energetic blocks to really help with the emotional aspect. So both tools are the reason why I chose to incorporate these into the company are be, is because my goal has always been to help individuals address not just physiological or emotional. I really believe in my philosophy is we have to address both the physiology of the body and then the emotions of what is going on to really achieve optimal health and balance. And I just found that these tools were so, so profoundly impactful, easy to use, non-invasive, completely safe. And so I'm so excited for you to be able to learn more about these tools from the founder himself. Now, with that said, this interview was recorded several months back. (laughs) And so I have since completely finished all the certification processes and have been using it in the business and so I just had to add that in so that you guys understand that this interview was recorded either early February or late January and I have just been sitting on it for a while just because I haven't had the bandwidth to do all the editing and actually get it out there so I'm so excited thank you for anyone who is tuning into this I would love to hear any questions you have make sure to reach out on social media or through the contact page on my website. And with that, please enjoy this interview with Dr. Cook. 
And just quickly before we get into the main interview, I'm going to be introducing a product of the week before each episode so that I can share what some of my favorite products are that week, that month, products that I'm using on a daily basis. And so this week's product of the week is the Blue Blocks, Blue Light Blocking Glasses. And they have taken over the internet, I feel like, Their glasses block 100% of blue and green light, and they also have a really diverse range of products. They have daytime blue light blocking glasses. They also have nighttime amber tinted blue light blocking glasses, which I have both of. I use the clear ones during the day while on the computer, and I use the amber tinted ones in the evening if I'm on the computer or watching a TV after sunset and it has been profoundly impactful on how I feel throughout the day but especially on my sleep and I also have two other products of theirs which are their remedy sleep mask which blocks out all light and doesn't put any pressure on your eyes and then their blue light flicker free red light bulb it's a little bit of a mouthful but You guys can check the link in the bio, which will take you directly to their website where you can browse all of their different products. They have amazing resources, articles, YouTube videos that really explain what makes their products so much different from everything else on the market. So with that, now we get to today's interview with Dr. Cook. Well, Dr. Cook, welcome to the Accrescent Podcast. Thanks, Leanne. It's good to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. So to give the audience a little bit of a background, I have been doing Evox personally with a practitioner, so I was exposed to it that way. But uh, maybe a month ago, I myself invested in Evox and your elite system and will be launching my own practice. But in the spirit of, you know, I start sharing all these things and the research and science behind it, but I love to be able to give my audience just a really, really in-depth interview with the expert if possible. So this is just, I'm so ecstatic to have you on to be able to share because you are the founder of this technology. Well, Leanne, I'm honored to be here and thanks for, uh, thanks for making that investment. You, you jumped in with the Cadillac version all the way around. (laughs) I did. It's sort of, I don't know if it's a strength or a weakness, but I, if I dive in, I dive in all the way. So good for you. But I always like to start off a little bit. If you can just give the audience a little bit of your background, just who you are, where you're from, your education a little bit, and then how you got into biocommunication. Okay. Well, I um, was born a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> And about, uh, gosh, it's been 36, maybe 37 years ago. That's before you were born. But uh, uh, back in the olden days, I actually was introduced to energy medicine. I, I grew up, when I was growing up, I had bad allergies as a teenager. And I, I mean, really bad allergies. And then I outgrew them. And then after I got married, they started coming back. And when I, I, my wife and I moved our family to Las Vegas, Nevada at one point, and these allergies came back with a vengeance, and I was just miserable. And um, I don't know if you've had bad allergies, but, you know, you get an itchy throat, and, and your brain itches, 
and your ears itch and your eyes run and your sinuses don't ever stop. And it's just, you just, it's just a crazy, miserable experience. Well, fortunately, I moved into a neighborhood where a man lived. He was a dentist. His name was Bill Roberson. And Bill and I became friends and I was telling him about my allergies and what a mess it was. And and he said, well, why don't you do this? Why don't, he said, it's probably something in your yard. You're just not allergic. You're not used to. And when you moved here, it's triggered these allergies. So he suggested that I break off a twig of everything that was in my yard and bring it down, bring these twigs down to his clinic the next day after five o'clock. He said, when I close my clinic, you can come in. And I've got, he said, I have a hobby. My hobby is a technique called EAV, electroacupuncture according to Vol. And so, uh, you know, it was, this was all new to me and it was, uh, my, my wife is a registered nurse. And so I had some background in her training and that kind of stuff, but I didn't have any real background in anything alternative or complimentary. Anyway, uh, I was desperate. So I broke the twigs off. I had three bags full of twigs, big grocery sacks full of twigs. And I went into his clinic and he pulled out this machine and he started to test test me. Now, what the test involved was he had this little, it was essentially an ohm meter, and I would hold on to a ground, a hand mass, and then he had a little stylus like a pen, and he would touch that pen to different points on my hand, and he told me, these are acupuncture points, and what I'm doing is I'm measuring the electrical conductivity at the acupuncture point. And the amount of energy that you conduct at each acupuncture point varies, but it's indicative of the health of the associated organ or body system. So he said, uh, by measuring this, we can take these twigs now and we can put the twigs into this electrical pathway and the energetic influence of the twig will then affect your body and we can predict what you're allergic to. So he went through my three bags, and when he got done, he said, the only two things that you're showing a reaction to is oleander and pyracantha. So, and I thought, okay, those are new to me, so that's possible. And uh, he then went over to his cupboard, uh, another cupboard, and he took out another machine, and he took out a, a fifth of vodka and a little, <laughs> a, a little three-ounce bottle, a little dropper, you know, the amber bottle with the dropper top. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he poured some of this vodka into this, this, you know, three ounce bottle and he put it in the, in this machine. There was, had two wells on top and he put the bottle in one side and he put the oleander and the pyracantha twig in the other side. And then he twisted some dials and he said, okay, what's happening now is this machine is transferring the energy from the twigs into the liquid inside the bottle. And I'm going, okay, <laughs> you know, this is like, you know, if, if Bill had not been a legit guy, I mean, you know, he was an intelligent guy, obviously had a successful practice. And I thought, this is strange, but you know, if this guy believes it, maybe there's something to it. And I was desperate, you know, he, he probably could have told me to do lots of things and I would have tried it. Anyway, when he got through, after about five minutes, he said, okay, it's done. So he handed me this bottle and he said, put 10 drops under your tongue three times a day. And, and I did. I went home and, of course, you know, religiously I'm doing this because I want relief. And 10 days after I started 
my symptoms completely shut down. They just completely went away. My my brain didn't itch anymore. My sinuses stopped running. It was just a complete resolution. And because of my history with allergies, I knew nothing worked like this. Nothing. It doesn't matter what it was. I tried all kinds of drugs. Nothing works this well. So I thought, no, it can't be this crazy stuff in the bottle. It's got to be that the oleanders and the pyracanthus have just quit pollinating. And so, mm-hmm. so I went out in the back and the oleanders, they were still happy and blooming and going crazy. And the pyracanth out in front were doing the same thing. Nothing had changed in my environment. So the only thing I can, could conclude was it was this crazy stuff that Bill made for me down at his clinic, this, a, total, a total energy remedy. And uh, that introduced me to this whole world of energy medicine. And from there, I met uh, a doctor by the name of Fuller Royal, who owned, owned the Nevada Clinic down in Las Vegas. And, and that introduced me to Roy Curtin, who was a physicist, PhD, who owned uh, a company that built energetic type equipment. And I actually ended up going to work for that company for a while. And that's where I got introduced to technology. So that's a long story of how it got started. But what I've noticed, Leanne, in the early years of complementary medicine, it was considered heresy. And <laughs> and you, you know, people used to think that acupuncture was some kind of a weird religion. Uh, and and now we we don't think in those terms. I mean, if somebody's taking a vitamin, you don't think that's strange, or if they're using a an essential oil or an herb or whatever. But back then, if you did that, it was like you know, who are you worshiping? I mean, yeah. I mean, people just really didn't understand it. And most doctors who moved into complementary medicine would almost without exception would be ostracized by their peers. And most of those people, because of the sacrifice it took to move into complementary and alternative, most practitioners who made that leap only made it because of a personal crisis or a, or a health crisis in their immediate family. One where they couldn't find solutions with traditional Western medicine. And when they looked outside of traditional Western medicine, they found the solution. And once that happened, they realized there's something here. It's legitimate. You know, I've got to stay here. And they did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now it's not quite that radical, but that's the way that's the way it used to happen. Um, Yeah. Oh, that's well, it's such a neat story. And I love that you sort of attest to the fact that even as you were being introduced to this energetic medicine for the first time, you were just like, okay, this is a little strange. I'm not sure about this. But it's like what I say all the time is with most things in integrative medicine, look, the very worst that can happen is nothing happens. Right. Yeah. But at least we're not creating this really negative cascade of other symptoms, which is very, very common with conventional medicine and the pharmaceutical industry. So that's fantastic. But now you've mentioned biocommunication, you've mentioned energy medicine a couple of times, but I think it would be helpful to define that a little bit for the audience. So can you just explain what does it mean when you say biocommunication? One of the things that... um... Let me kind of give you the evolution of the technology. That might yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my exposure to it started with this uh, electroacupuncture, according to Vol, where you would measure specific acupuncture points, and it was a manually applied stylus. So the operator 
takes hold of the patient's hand or finger or toe or whatever you're going to push against, and then you push the stylus onto the acupuncture point. So, uh, and because your body is wired the way it is, uh, it works. The problem with it is, is it's difficult to learn and it is somewhat subjective. Uh, you know, people often would say to me, uh, because what happened is I went to work for this company called, the name of the company was Ession, and we built uh, the first computerized electroacupuncture equipment. And uh, when I would use that equipment to train doctors or to see patients, people would say to me, well, you're just pushing harder, or you're just not pushing as hard. You know, they'd say, oh, this reading changed because you're manipulating the reading. And that is possible to do. But what happens is when you become an expert at the technique, you you don't have, you know, there, there's no incentive to, to manipulate it because what you're trying to do is you're trying to find information out about the patient. You're not trying to tell their body what to think, as it were. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, I spent several years in the EAV world where I would... I was building that kind of equipment. After I left Ession, I started my own company, and we built computerized EAV equipment and sold it all over the world. I trained, I don't know how many thousands of doctors how to use it, but um, the problem was the learning curve. You know, it was just difficult to to master. And, and a lot of people would say to me, well, why don't you just invent a glove and I can just put my patient's hand in a glove and then it just takes all the measurements for me. And it wasn't quite that easy, but over time, what we developed was a hand cradle. And you have a hand cradle now with your elite. So the hand cradle looks like kind of a big mouse, but it's you put your hand on it and it has contact points for each finger and then another contact point in the palm. And... We then excite those contact points with a, with a very small electrical charge, and we can read what's called a coherent pattern. Then what we do is we output a signal from the computer, and we look for a change in the coherence of the energy pattern. Does this signal make you more coherent, or does it make you less coherent? Now, uh, people who are familiar with kinesiology or muscle testing. Uh, It's basically the same technique, only we interpret the information differently. So if I have you hold your arm out and I test you for muscle strength, so I push down on your arm, and then I hand you something and I push it down again, if the, the something I handed you, let's say that it's a vitamin pill of some kind, if it makes you stronger, The reason it makes you stronger, or if you become stronger, is because the energetic influence of what I've handed you, what you're holding now, it creates an energetic coherence that is then reflected in your muscle strength, and so you become stronger. If, on the other hand, the energetic influence makes you more chaotic, then you lose the energetic focus and your muscles become weaker, and that's how that works. Well, our... Zyto biocommunication technology uses the same technique, but we're not measuring muscle strength. We're looking straight at energy. And because we're looking at energy, we can measure things at about every half second, we can measure something different because your body responds much faster energetically than it does, 
you know, chemically or muscle wise mm-hmm. so in terms of material. So biocommunication is, well, that's a long answer, isn't it, Leanne? But I'm, I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost getting there. I promise. Um, biocommunication is just a process where we interrogate your body through a computer. So we've developed a technique where we can essentially ask you a question at a subconscious level and you respond and we can make sense of your response. And the form with which the Zyto technology is measuring that is through that galvanic skin response. It is. Yeah. Which is, can you just, can you briefly touch on what that is? What is galvanic skin response? Well, if you're familiar with a lie detector, one of the techniques they use with lie detector is galvanic skin response. And when they ask you a question, if you lie, you get tense and you, you know, your galvanic skin response shifts. Now, uh, I won't go into all the details there, but that's, that is one application that is common that people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, What we're looking at is a, a little more complex of a response than a lie detector uh, because we're looking at more channels all at the same time. Because what we're interested in is how does channel one compare to channel two compare to channel three? And then we're comparing those, and that's how we determine the coherence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just a change in skin resistance, essentially. It's, the, it's a change in the ability of the skin to conduct electricity. The discovery that skin actually conducts electricity was Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it the 1800s when that was discovered? I'm familiar with a doctor in France in about 1930. And he, he was an acupuncturist and he started to experiment with uh, the conductivity at acupuncture points. And he found that acupuncture points are more electrically conductive mm-hmm. than, than non-acupuncture points. And it was that information that then a German doctor picked up by the name of Reinhold Voll. And he and some of his buddies started to experiment with it, and they plotted this whole diagnostic process. And, and then he found out purely by accident that you can put a, a remedy into this electric circuit and predict the outcome. In other words, you could say to somebody, your energy readings tell me that you have diabetes, and if we t- give you these homeopathic remedies, it normalizes everything. So this may be curative of your diabetes. So, um, so that's where that started. And then what we've done is we've just taken that and computerized it. So now we don't have to have the homeopathic remedy physically present to put on the test plate or put it in the circuit. And we can test, you know, thousands of things where it wouldn't be practical to do that if you weren't working with a computer. And it removes a lot of the margin of error when you, like you were saying with the stylus, the previous versions of this type of bioenergetic testing, if if the practitioner wasn't just really, really proficient, there was a margin of error that could occur. Yes. Whereas with the hand cradle, the, the practitioner doesn't need to touch the patient at all. Right. In fact, we're interfacing at the patient at a subconscious level. Your conscious mind runs at about 2,000 pieces of information a second. And you, the rest of you runs at about 400 million pieces of information a second. So our thinking brain is really our least intelligent aspect. The rest of us is way smarter than that. And what we're looking at is we're looking at this interface that happens at the subconscious level. So you can have a client or a patient 
with their hand on the hand cradle, you run the scan. That's between the hand cradle and the patient and the computer. And you can be talking to them about anything. You know, you can talk about your kids or the weather or, you know, what you do eat for breakfast. And I mean, it just doesn't matter because engaging the conscious mind has no impact on a biocommunication experience. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's a really interesting point. So now for the listener who they're hearing us talk about the Zyto and these surveys and these scans. So give us a little bit of an overview and we'll start with the bio surveys that most of your software does. Uh-huh. But then I'm really excited to get a little bit into Evox as well. But let's just okay. start with the bio survey. So when someone comes into a practitioner wherever and they're putting their hand on this hand cradle, they're getting a bio survey. What what is happening? What are we asking the body? When you go into the doctor's office uh, for a doctor's office for the first time, generally they will have you fill out a health history. And that's just a series of questions that your answers then provide for them a beginning point. It's kind of the, where do we start to solve the problems? Well, let's identify what we think the problems are to begin with. A biosurvey is basically the same kind of thing, except it's conducted at a subconscious level, not a conscious level. And so if someone, one of the cool things about our technology, Leanne, is that we can, because we can scan so much information so quickly, we can look for solutions in areas or problems in areas that might go otherwise overlooked because you just don't have the bandwidth to even think to look there. And so what we say is Zyto technology is decision support technology. We're not, it's, it's not a medical device in terms of I'm diagnosing or treating a disease. What we're attempting to do is to give the operator information from which they can then make better decisions. And those decisions may be diagnostic, they may be therapeutic, but if we can facilitate better decisions, we know that that will improve the outcome for the patient or the client. And that's our objective. So a biosurvey is just a, it's kind of like a macro on a computer. You know, we've gone in and we have said, computer, do this first and this second and this third and this fourth. And then here's the decision point and the operator makes a decision. And then that takes it a different, different way. So we've kind of automated this survey process and we presented the questions in a way that makes sense to get to the report that you want at the end. So, mm-hmm. you know, somebody comes in and they're, they're saying, hey, I don't have any energy. Well, that could be caused by lots of things. So you hit the, the energy biosurvey and it runs the scan and the scan says, okay, well, let's talk about, you know, let's ask some questions about thyroid and about adrenal and about hypothalamus and about food allergies and about yeast infections and about heavy metals. All of those things, we can go through that list. And then in the report, we say, hey, we got more interesting hits here on food allergies than we did anything else. And then the practitioner says, okay, let's go explore foods first. I I really like how you explain it as it's asking the body a question. Mm -hmm. And basically that the change in the electricity or the the resistance in the skin is sort of the body's answer. Correct. And so then it's painting a picture of what might be more out of balance and what those potential stressors could be. Yes, and and one of the nice things is because we're measuring a multi-channel feedback, we can determine the intensity of the of the answer. 
So, for example, if I said to you, okay, uh, Leanne, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you questions, but I don't want you to tell me anything. I just want you to raise your hand. If the answer is yes, put your hand up, and if the answer is no, put your hand down, and anywhere in between. You know, so if you feel really strong about it, way up, and really strong against it, way down. Zytotechnology measures can discriminate those answers. So we may challenge your body with, with a signal that's been linked to, let's say, uh, wheat, and then to one that's been linked to eggs and then milk. And we can tell you your response to each of those things energetically, you know, how, how reactive were you? And, and if wheat goes off the chart, then we go, hey, you know, pay attention to wheat. That may have some solutions or that may be a problem. But, you know, mm-hmm. eggs are not a problem, you know. So, mm-hmm. that, so the cool thing about it is it's not just a yes, no. It's a how yes and a how no. Yes. And one of the, one of the ways this type of bioenergetic testing was explained to me is because I used the biomeridian. Yes. That's what I was exposed to first. And the way the practitioner there explained it was conventional testing is testing at a cellular level, but that is a step later in the communication process. The most, the earliest form of communication in the body is the energetics. And then it goes up to the cellular level. So by the time something is showing up in a conventional test, that issue has kind of been brewing for a while now. Yeah. to get to a point where it can be communicated at a cellular level. So it can be really impactful to be able to catch potential red flags much, much sooner before they become a big issue. And again, it doesn't mean it's diagnostic, but you can look at a Zydo scan and say, you know what, for example, your thyroid's coming up is really unbalanced. You might want to pursue some thyroid panel testing to see if something's out. Is that is that kind of correct? It is. Lots of times I've had patients who I've run scans on and I've said, it looks like you're coming down with something, you know, like a cold or whatever. And they said, no, I feel good. And then two days later, they call me back and say, I can't believe it. I'm in bed. I'm so sick. I can't get up. How did you know I was coming down with something? And it's for that very reason. It's because I'm looking at your body energetically and you don't develop symptoms until your energy goes out of balance for a long enough period for a symptom to develop. And, Mm -hmm. And you don't become better, you don't get cured until your energy gets cured. Your energy comes back into balance and then everything else follows. If you plot the the human anatomy on a yin-yang scale, so yin is, is um, if you look at the monad, you know, the yin-yang wheel, the yin is the dark side and the, and the yang is the white side, the light side. Well, yang is active and yin is more sedate, yang is more energetic and yin is more substantial or substance. The most yang component of our anatomy is energy. And then the next most yang thing is blood. And then you go to body fluids and finally you go to tissue. So Mm -hmm. if you want to see where a patient is going, your best measurement is energy. That's just another explanation of what you said, Leanne. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it gets me so excited because I think from what I've observed, one of the frustrating things about most conventional medicine is this approach of unless you're dying, you're probably okay. Um, Unless your house, you know, your house is burning down, the house being the body, 
we're not really going to worry about it. Whereas integrative medicine really says, you know what, I, I kind of see that kindling over there starting to spark. So let's just dump water on it now. Yeah. So that before before your whole house burns down and then we've got to go repair the whole house. And that's where that biocommunication comes in. It, it is. And, you know, the a challenge that we have as humans is that's how we tend to live. You know, if it doesn't hurt, it must be okay. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the most, the most difficult prescription for any practitioner to make is a lifestyle prescription because it's almost impossible for people to change their lifestyle. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like saying to somebody, quit drinking Diet Coke. You might as well put a gun to their head, you know, because, <laughs> uh, because it's, all, it's just almost impossible to do for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons is it tastes good and people like it and their microbiome prefers it. And, and there's no social stigma around it. You know, if you mm-hmm. say to somebody, quit doing heroin, well, you know, there's a lot of social stigma around that. But some of these other things that are just as, uh, in the long run, detrimental to us, like, you know, overdoing it on sugar or, you know, overdoing mm-hmm. it on caffeine. There's things that we do. But anyway, that we're just kind of built that way. If it doesn't hurt, it must be okay. And you, you kind of have to get enlightened. I, I don't want to use that word because it may not be the right word, but, you know, it kind of is. You, you, you basically have to get converted to this idea that if I put water on the kindling, that's actually a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But you have to be proactive to do that because it may not hurt. Yeah, and, and almost put your faith a little bit that, you know, I think people get so, they don't realize how bad they feel or they just don't believe they could feel better. They really believe this, these daily headaches, these joint pain, that that's life. That's just how we're supposed to feel. That just what comes with aging. And so I always tell people, let's just for the next hour, like, let's just pretend that there's a better existence waiting for you and think about what that could look like. And then, you know, so it really is like a big perspective shift of having to open people's eyes that maybe there's something a little more than what I could have even perceived. Yeah. Now, can you talk a little bit about, because we have mentioned conventional testing, this sort of bioenergetic testing, and I do think both absolutely have a place in medicine. Sure. How would you, or how do you often see that balance working? Well, I'm a great believer in whatever works. And so I don't think that there's a line in the sand where you know, if you're on this side, it's good. And if you're on that side, it's bad. I think it's, it's the continuum. Uh, I'll give you a, a really quick example. Uh, about, gosh, it's been nine years ago, maybe. Uh, I started to develop cancer. I had a three and a half year cancer journey. And oh, wow. as I went through that journey, I did everything complimentary. And I did everything Western medicine had to offer with the exception of radiation. I did two rounds of chemo. I did surgery twice. I did, but I did a ton of homeopathy. I did a ton of nutrition. I did a, I did uh, you know, proactive dental work. So, I mean, I took everything that I knew and brought it to bear on this and, and had the best and the brightest complimentary doctors helping me from around the country. But my approach wasn't, Hey, I don't want to do chemo. But, but that was my last bastion. And the reason I didn't want to go there, because I knew that there is a, a high risk of collateral damage when you do chemo. 
And so that was my last choice. And, and I had a very good oncologist. And, you know, when I first met with him, I said, look, let me tell you who I am and what I believe. And, and he said, that's fine. He said, you don't need to, you know, you're not dying today. So, you know, let's make sure we stay in touch, but, you know, do the things you, you want to do. I'm here for you when you're ready for me. And, um, and, you know, I went through it. Obviously I didn't die and, but I came close lots of times. But one of the reasons I didn't die was because of all the complementary and alternative things that I did that strengthened me for when I did the chemo, I, I came through it in great shape. I had no collateral damage. Still took me about six to 12 months to recover from the chemo, which is normal. But, but the point is, it's the, the kindling that you mentioned. You know, if you pay attention to the kindling, those are the things that become your liabilities when you get in trouble and need something radical that can damage you otherwise. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, they don't need to be mutually exclusive of each other. Not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was initially introduced to Evox because I had stage one breast cancer. Uh-huh. And so I was and still am going to Cancer Center for Healing here in Irvine, California. Mm-hmm. And it is an integrative cancer center. So they do Evox with all of their cancer patients because right. they really believe in that emotional link to cancer, but they also, I mean, they talk exactly what you just said. If we need to use conventional realms, we will. And if the tests show that chemotherapy is going to be really impactful for you, we're going to do it, but we're also going to support all the other systems in your body along that journey. So, yeah. So speaking of Evox, I, I'm just, I'm so excited to get into this because mainly because of the impact it has had in my own life, but after I did Evox, I did many, many rounds of it at the center. My mom has now done it. My aunt did it. My my fiance did it. So it sort of had this snowball effect where everyone around me was saw how impactful it was for me and right. wanted to jump on board. And now, of course, it's I have decided that this is what a service I would like now to offer to others as well. But it's when you first start explaining it to people, they have that sort of deer in the headlights look on their face of right. like, um, this is, makes no sense or it's too good to be true. Yeah. Is what some people have said. But anyways, let's so let's dive into that a little okay. bit. What is your Evox software? Evox is a perception reframing technology. So for the benefit of your listeners, let me tell let me tell them what happens. We measure the energy in the voice, and we then give the body miss- the missing pieces. Now, th- that's a really simple explanation, but uh, voice is, the reason it's called evox, vox is Latin for voice. The reason that we use voice as a, a feedback loop is because voice carries an incredible amount of information. When you think about it, it takes almost your entire anatomy to make voice. You have to think about what you're going to say. You then engage your thorax and your abdomen, and then you exhale and you articulate through the vocal mechanism and you move your hands and your feet. You basically have got your whole body going to make voice. Now, when you have, well, so, so an example, um, People listening to us on your on your podcast can know that 
you're a female and I'm a male. They can know that you're, uh, they can know your age probably within five years. And they can know, they can guess my age probably within five years. And if they're familiar with, with, um, accents, they can tell us where we were born and raised, at least as children. And, you know, they can tell us what kind of a mood we're in and they can tell us how well, you know, do, do these, are these people healthy or are they unhealthy? All of that information is carried in the voice, even though we don't give them those descriptions. And it turns out that voice is so specific that it's actually topic specific. So if I, if I describe to you my mother and, you know, her name was Eleanor and she had brown eyes and brown hair and, and I give you a description and then I tell you my dad, about my dad, even though you'll recognize my voice being me, the energy in my voice will be distinctly different as I talk about my mother than about my dad, because I have memories and experience and perceptions about each of those individuals that is very different. And what we have learned is that the words you speak are almost insignificant because the energy carries so much information. And at a subconscious level, we actually decode this. You know, sometimes you'll hear somebody talking, you'll say, and eh, just doesn't feel right. Well, it's because there's a dissonance between what the person believes and what their words are saying. The information carried, the energy carried in the voice and what the words are. So you get that dissonance and that's when you get this, and eh, this doesn't feel right kind of stuff. So that's why voice is important. Now, we, we run on this, tri- we call it a triangle of health. So you've got this triangle and it, and it's one side is emotional, one side is energetic, and the other side is functional. And what happens is we receive information and that information is then filtered through our beliefs and that creates a perception which then will will start a chain reaction. That energy that's created through that perception will cause amino acids to organize into peptides and different peptide structures will elicit different emotions. Now, different emotions are attached to different organs because different peptides have an affinity to different organs. So in Chinese medicine, you know, they say, okay, anger's the liver. Well, it's because the peptide chain for anger has an affinity to the liver and frustration has one to the gallbladder. So it, you get into that kind of stuff and it gets really fun and cool. But if I have a belief well, let's see. Let, let me think of a... When I say beliefs, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, you're talking about religion? No, that... Well, yes, I am. But religion is just a fraction of our beliefs. That's just, you know, a pinpoint. We have beliefs about everything. You know, what do I... I believe what I should be eating. I have a belief about what I should wear. I believe about what... A belief about what colors look good, about how fast I should drive, about how I should speak and conduct myself. All of those beliefs are created frankly, so because that's how we justify our existence. You know, I, I, have to, I have to create a world around me that's consistent with my beliefs, and I can either change my beliefs or I can change, you know, my environment. But mm-hmm. I'm rambling. <laughs> well, and I, I touched on these topics a couple of times with my audience before, which is a lot of this has to do with the beliefs that you picked up subconsciously as a child, mainly between the ages of zero to seven. And so to make it super practical, I give, I frequently give an example, which this is something that I was able to land on 
through my Evox sessions was I realized that I had a limiting subconscious belief that I was not worthy of being known. And once, as soon as I was able to connect that to my childhood of, you know, I had a father who never asked me anything about myself. He wasn't really engaged. My parents were divorced. He himself, because of his own trauma, was unable to have an emotional connection. But the message, not not verbally, but subconsciously that I picked up and translated from that behavior was, if my own father doesn't think I'm interesting and doesn't think I'm worth getting to know, I just must not be worth knowing. But what that led to was this pattern in my life of not letting anyone get close to me, not letting anyone know me deeply. So it's a perfect example of what you were saying of my belief was I'm not worth being known. And so rather than changing that belief, I made my reality confirm that belief. And the, and the problem we have is we do not know what our beliefs are. Exactly. It's so, so hard to see them because they're subconscious. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about Evox is it's not talk therapy. You don't have to go back and visit a trauma, revisit. You don't have to know. You don't have to realize what your problem is. It just fixes it. So uh, let me tell you a couple of stories and then that may help. Uh, okay. I remember a woman who came into my clinic uh, several years ago. And uh, anyway, she said to me, um, well, I just got divorced. I mean, that's the reason she was there. I just got divorced. And she heard we were doing some strange things, you know, because we were using Evox and getting some <laughs> great results, but it was kind of strange. And uh, she said, I just got divorced. And, you know, I didn't know whether to congratulate her or offer condolences. But I said, okay, well, tell me about it. And she said, well, it was my third marriage. And I said, okay. And then she began to tell me that, you know, I married my first husband and we were married for a long time. And then he started to beat me and, uh, and, and I tried to change him and I tried to, and, you know, I tried everything. And finally I realized there's no fixing this. I just have to get out of the marriage. And so she divorced him. She said, then I married my second husband six months after we started after we got married, he started to beat me. And I thought, you know, this is crazy. So a year and a half later, uh, I divorced him. And then I went out and fell in love again. And I'll be darned if I didn't marry the same guy all over again. This guy started beating me. Only it wasn't six months. It was just a couple of months into the marriage. And, and I said, this is not, this is crazy. I'm not going to do it. So in six months, she divorced him. And then she said to me, I must be stupid. And I said, no, you're not stupid. You know, it's, it's not your fault. You were getting beat. And, and frankly, you, you guys were, all of your husbands and you were caught into an energy pattern that's transgenerational. You get families where dysfunction is perpetuated from one generation to the next and disease is perpetuated from one generation to the next. And it's because we have an energy posture. We have a subconscious uh, belief system that gives a, that creates this propensity to perpetuate either function or dysfunction. And so, uh, you know, I explained to this woman, look, you have an energy pattern for whatever reason, not of your own doing, but you have an energy pattern that basically says, beat me. And you, and there's guys out there who have energy patterns that say, I'm looking for a woman to beat and vice versa. You know, spousal abuse goes both ways. And when you find somebody who has a congruent energy pattern, 
the sparks go off and it's easy to fall in love and you got you go Phew, you know and the chemistry happens and it's real love there's no it's not fake anything but you then get into this dysfunctional pattern again as we get older we get smarter but we just continue to do the same dumb things we did as kids sometimes too many too often and so what we did with evox with this woman is we went through what a protocol called a transgenerational perception reframe and when we finished uh, and it took you know about five visits i think but when we finished she felt great and and i was happy and she was happy and she went out and uh, about six months later she just showed up at the clinic one day and we were good friends by this time and she said to me, uh, and I said, hey, good to see you. What are you here for? And she said, I just wanted to come and tell you I just got married. And I looked at her and I said, well, is he beating you? And, and you know, I, again, we were really good friends. And so I could say that to her without yeah, being yeah, insensitive. Yeah. But as I said, well, is he beating you? And he, she said, no, he's not a beater. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, I can, I've been married to three of those guys. I can see him a mile away. But she said, uh, this guy isn't that, but, but as I, but then she said, the crazy thing that happened after I finished the, the protocol was I was not attracted to guys that I recognized were, had this energy pattern. And she said, the more miraculous thing to me was they were, I was not attractive to them. They were not, mm. you know, it was a mutual distraction basically. And, and I think a lot of things in our lives happen the same way. Another quick example, a young woman came in, her, her, uh, she was probably 27, had delivered her second child about six months prior. Her marriage was on the rocks. Uh, they were having financial problems. Anyway, so we did the same protocol. And the, the way the protocol works, you do, a, you do a reframe on your parents, on your significant other, and one of your grandparents, and then on yourself. The goal is to reframe your energy pattern, to reset your, your energy posture. And the way you do that is you reframe your perceptions about yourself. What we've learned is if you don't reframe some of these external perceptions, they are so strong, they will very quickly move you back into your original position. So, so anyway, so we went through the process. The first, uh, the first visit... Uh, we learned, okay, we're going to start with your mother. So we did the reframe on her mom. She comes back into the clinic a week later. She looks better. Um, her, you know, she's got more sparkle in her eyes. Her rose, her cheeks are a little rosier. She had some other problems, and so she was getting better from those too. But she said to me, a funny thing happened. And, you know, it's always fun because you hear that a lot with Evox. Patients come and say, oh, a funny thing happened. And then they tell you the story, and it's like, I've heard that lots of times, but it's like brand new and crazy for them. She said, a funny thing happened. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she said, well, when I went home last week, my mother called. And then she said, and we talked for two hours. And she paused again. And I didn't say anything. You know, I have four daughters of my own. And I know that they can call their mom and talk for a long time. That's just, you know, it can happen. So I didn't respond. And she said, uh, you don't get it, do you? And I said, what? Get what? And she said, my mom and I never talk. Because when if either one of us calls, within 30 seconds, we're screaming at each other. But the, wow. fact, the fact that she called the very day that I did the Evox and the fact that we could talk for two hours was nothing short of a miracle, she thought. Why did that happen? You know, I've thought about that since. I thought, well, I didn't, I didn't know that you were having a problem with your mom. 
But if I had known and I picked up the phone and called and said, hey, mom, would you rather have a good, do you want to have a better relationship with your daughter? The mom would have said, yeah, I do. And if I'd asked the daughter the same question, she said, yes, I would like to have a better relationship with my mother. And then you say, well, then you both want the same thing. Why don't you do it? You know, you must be stupid, right? Like my this woman, my friend mm. said. And the answer is no. You just have a perception that that's held in place by these subconscious beliefs, and it's creating an energy posture that's creating this kind of conflict or this kind of problem in your life. And and all you have to do is change that perception, which then changes your energy posture, and everything around you changes. Mm-hmm. Now, not everybody gets a miracle like these two women did, because most people don't require that dramatic of a change. But all of us with Evox get incremental miracles. And what I have noticed over the years with lots of Evox experience, almost universally, people will report an increase in love and gratitude. They say, you know, I I just feel more grateful for everything around me. And I just... I feel more love for the people in my life. And and that's almost universal. And I've come to the conclusion that love and gratitude are actually symptoms. They're symptoms of a properly functioning energy system. And when your energy system gets straightened up, you just do, you do love and you do gratitude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful that you shared those two stories. I think that can be really impactful for the listener. So can you touch on just a little bit of when those perceptions change? So how is it that Evox can help shift those perceptions? So first we're recording the voice, we're kind of mapping out the strong emotions, the sort of the stuck patterns in the voice. But then how do we begin to reframe those perceptions? The computer will analyze the energy and it plots it on a wheel. It's called a perception index. And it also calculates where are, where are the holes in this perception index. In other words, what information is missing in my voice or what, what information is being communicated in the energy of my voice relative to this topic. And then the computer says, okay, these, this is the information that we need to give back to this person because that's what they're missing. And then what we do is we do a scan on the available options and the computer will then select only the options for which the person has a positive response. Then what happens is for a short period of time, about between 30 seconds and 10 minutes, and you have control of that because, you know, if you're running the machine. Mm. So I close my eyes and, you, and I, you know, I don't know if you use the glasses, Leanne, but I don't because I'm too lazy. But so, so I tell my, my clients or my patients, I say, well, close your eyes and think about the topic. So if you're doing a reframe on mom, you know, close your eyes and think about your mom. And, and then we have some headphones that you wear and a microphone. And the headphones then will play some music, which is just designed to isolate you from the outside environment so you don't get distracted. So this, you know, non-lyrical uh, is plays as the distraction, and I think about mom. And while that's going on, the computer then using what's called a field effect. It's a it's a connection that occurs at many levels, but one of those is a quantum level. So we then give that missing information to the person, but not at a conscious level. 
we give it to them at a subconscious level. And again, we don't want to communicate with the conscious brain because that's the least responsive. Your subconscious self is responsive just like that. And so with this new information, the body then looks at it, I think, and says, oh, hey, I've, that's, I've never looked at it that way. That's really good information. And it immediately adopts the information. And when that occurs, the voice energy changes. And so as you go through, you know, it's, it's not done just in one time. It's called, you have multiple rounds. So I may talk about my mom and then I go through this experience. And then I talk about my mom again and it happens. And maybe for me, because I've done so much of it, it takes about three to five rounds generally, and I will reframe. And when, when you reframe, your voice energy changes significantly to the point that we know, okay, your perception has shifted. You have reframed this perception. And mm -hmm. when that happens, you release the dysfunction. And um, what I've learned from doing a lot of clinical work with this is that humans are built to always make their best decision. And when you see somebody making a poor decision, it isn't because they're willfully doing that. It's because they see that decision as their best decision, their best option. So all you have to do is you have to expand your vision at a subconscious level, I'm talking, but you expand your vision of the options and you will naturally gravitate to your best option. Now, if I am choosing A and it gives me a dysfunctional outcome, and I do a perception reframe and I realize there's a whole alphabet there besides just A, I can still choose A. You know, it's, it's not like reframing takes away from me any agency or volition. It just mm -hmm. means that, oh, I've got 26 options here now instead of one. That's going to improve the odds that I'm going to have a positive outcome instead of just perpetuating mm -hmm. the same old stuff. Mm -hmm. The compulsion to only choose A is cleared in a sense. Well, if A is your only option, you're going to see it as your best option. Or if you, mm -hmm. A, B, C is it, you know, A may be your best. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, for, so for somebody who is having a hard time getting along with their mom, you know, they may see it that mom's just a hard person to get along with and I'm doing the best I can, but, you know, yelling at her is the only thing, like the only way she hears me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Uh, Evox is, is amazing. It really is. Everybody who, yeah. everybody who is close enough to you to get Evox should come in, Leanne, and say, let's do some Evox. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I've been, before launching officially, I've just been asking friends and family, whoever's willing, obviously I would never force someone to do anything, but even just in the few experiences I've had with my family. It's been incredibly profound. And we actually had a death in the family just last week. And I did an Evox session with my stepfather, who it was his brother who passed. And going into the session, I just was thinking, this this topic is too heavy. I don't know how we can possibly have a perception reframe when this is so heavy. It's so raw. I mean, it was two days after the event. And so I, I felt a heaviness of just like, oh my gosh, you know, this man is in shambles. How can we possibly achieve a positive result so soon to the event? But in in four rounds, he had a releasing pattern and truly like coming into it, I could see and feel 
the angst, the despair, the grief. And at the end of it, I could see and feel the peace. And he said the same thing, like, I feel so peaceful. Yeah. So it was, it was a very scary thing for me to jump into, you know, something so traumatic right off the bat, but absolutely confirmed this is a powerful tool and I'm meant to be using it for sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, Dr. Cook, thank you so much. I really can't say thank you enough for you just sharing your time, your wisdom, your knowledge coming on and talking about Zyto. It's been fun to be here. Thanks, Leanne. 